Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. I'm going to talk about the bankruptcy law today. In fact, exactly a year ago, I wrote that the bankruptcy law badly needs to be fixed. And I was really happy because the finance minister had made a statement which seemed to suggest that in the budget of February 2023, the act would be amended. At that time, I was pointing out that it needs extensive am amendments, not just a bit of tinkering. Well, the whole year has gone by and nothing has happened. In fact, what demonstrates this best is the case of a company called ABG Shipyard. It's useful to look at it through the prism of ABG Shipyard because it really demonstrates how this game-changing legislation is being gamed with impunity by bankers, companies colluding with the resolution professional, and there have been lots of judgments which indicate that the courts have not been above board too. They've been strictures against judges of the NCLT. In fact, so bad is the situation that the rating agency Crystal has said that recovery under the bankruptcy law of 2016, remember, it was touted as a game-changing legislation which made our standing on ease of business jump up several points. Crystal now says recovery under the act is as low as 32%. Now, the picture is actually a lot worse. In fact, not all companies find buyers under the Bankruptcy Act, so they have to be liquidated. And the results of liquidation is that what they get out of liquidating a company is sometimes a single digit percentage of what was the loan outstanding. In fact, even with large defaulters like Videocon and the Anil Ambani's ADAG Group Reliance Capital, which had borrowings and outstanding in tens of thousand crores, the liquidation value is less than what some of the bidders were willing to pay during the resolution process. Now, this is how bad the state of the law and the state of recovery is. The result? A stunning 10.09 lakh crore, think of the number, lakh crore has been written off in just the years between 2018 and 2022. This is admitted in Parliament. The Finance Minister herself has said, again in Parliament, that only 13% of the loans, which are technically written off, have been recovered. There used to be a time when the government used to claim that don't worry, if we're going after these people, a write-off doesn't mean we'll recover. But as we know, and as any of you who've been watching Money Life over the years know, we have repeatedly said this is not true. In fact, a company is declared a defaulter when there's really nothing to be recovered. And this was told to us by none other than a former deputy governor of the Reserve Bank of India, the late Dr. K.C. Chakravarti. Now let's go back to ABG Shipyard and why it's important. On 29th November, the Enforcement Directorate conducted fresh raids on ABG Shipyard. This is a resolution process that started in 2017 when the act was really new. Now, ABG Shipyard was among the 12 first defaulters. Apparently, this list of 12 came from the Prime Minister's office. They were among the largest defaulters and it was supposed to be get these resolved, no mercy, right? They included companies like SR Steel, Bushan Steel, Electro Steel Steels, Alok Industries, Jyoti Structures, Amtec Auto and ABG Shipyard were among them. Both these are politically powerful companies. And 
while many of them were resolved, many of the above names were resolved under the bankruptcy, insolvency and bankruptcy code 2016, which I'm going to keep calling the bankruptcy law. While many of them were resolved, these two have been going through layers of litigation, conflicting orders, and finally no results. Now, come to ABG Shipyard. The founder is Rishi Agarwal. The company, or rather the large group, they are into cement, shipbuilding, the works. They owe Indian banks a massive 22,800 crore. The company is not that well to the general public because it's not a brand that you use every day. But everybody in powerful industry circles knows that Mr. Agarwal is very, very networked politically across the spectrum. Now, you can't run up debts like this without having friends across the political spectrum. So every large loan default in India is the result of behest lending, collusion, and APG Shipyard enjoyed benevolent treatment long before the BJP government came to power in 2014. In fact, it had 28 lenders. Yet, Rishi Agarwal was arrested for the first time by the Central Bureau of Investigation, CBI, in September 2022. So when that happened, on a case of cheating, it sent shockwaves on, among industrialists because there was a feeling until then that this man is so powerful that nothing is going to happen even under this dispensation. He's, of course, been out quite quickly from December 2022, and things were a little quiet until the raids by the Enforcement Directorate. They searched his home, offices. This was under Prevention of Money Laundering, PMLA Act. They claim to have recovered cash, gold, jewelry to the tune of five crores. Think of how pitiable that and pathetic that amount is. His outstanding liabilities for the group, 22,842 crore. Recovery in these rates, 10 years too late, five crore. Neither here nor there. But the government shows that it is taking action. Now, to be fair, piecemeal investigation has been going on in the entire group. In fact, his borrowings have been broken up across various com companies. Multiple litigation and complaints have been filed. If you ask me, it's pointless because money goes out, diverted as loans from the parent company. There's no point in doing cheating cases across the board. It only means more litigation, more money spent on fighting cases and more conflicting issues. Now, what happened in ABG Shipyard is a standard template. Those of you who watch my blogs, I've been saying this regularly. A meaningless forensic audit is ordered long after it's clear that there is going to be not much recovery. There is, There are no assets, there is no collateral. Guarantees that are there are not secured, so not enforceable. If they were supposed to be shares, they have long sold or their value is zero. It's exactly the same here. The forensic audit was ordered in 2019. Sure enough, the audit exposed fraud, large-scale diversion of funds, but as all audits, because they are ordered by the banker, the bank pays for it, so they carefully avoid getting into a key issue, which is the role played by the banks in evergreening loans, offering more and more money, not taking stringent action. But they, the bank uses the audit, files a complaint with CBI, and there's an illusion of action, but very little recovery. Now, let's look at the decade of indulgence from the time things began to go wrong. So this Gujarat-based group, like I said, was set up in 1985, 
had 28 lenders, all kinds, banks, financial institutions, finance companies. They lent generously until 2010. And it was also able to take advantage of lax supervision to paper over the problems right until 2013. Why is 2013 important? Not because it's 10 years, but because a banker recently shared internal documents to me from that period when the corporate debt restructuring happened. So in 2013, things had already gone wrong. They wanted their debt restructured. And under RBI's generous provisions, there was a moratorium on both payment of principal and interest. And this was granted to this company with all kinds of promises on which obviously it did deliver because it continued to default, never stopped defaulting. In fact, 2011-12 was the peak for this company and it's been downhill since then. But what should be of greater interest is not only was it making losses, revenues had dropped to a sixth from the peak, many red flags were thrown up during this detailed investigation that happened before the CDR, which was granted in March 2014, right? It was very clear by then that this company was in deep trouble, had diverted money, and it was going to be impossible not to declare it an NPA. What is significant is at that time, the borrowings, the total borrowings were just over 7,000 crore. By 2016, when ICICI finally filed resolution for resolution under the bankruptcy law, the, it went there claiming that the total liabilities for all lenders were 27,400 crore. That number eventually came down. Like I said, the forensic audit was con conducted by Ernst & Young. SBI audited. So all the usual stuff, misappropriation, criminal breach of trust, fraud, diversion, this came out in the forensic audit. Why am I treating it as though it doesn't matter? Because it really doesn't matter by then. All this should have been looked at after 2013 when the bankers were sleeping. SBI filed the complaint in 2019. CBI registered the case only in February 2022. So look at the amount of time that the group has, right? The red flags were as follows. For starters, ABG Shipyard had exhausted its borrowing capacity in 2011 itself. The total loans outstanding were 7,403 crores, same 28 lenders. ICICI Bank was the biggest, 2,076 crores out of this lot. Followed by IDBI, you have seen how much of taxpayers' money has gone into bailing out IDBI Bank. The worst of defaulters are big borrowers from this bank. So it was 1,075 crore here out of 7,000, mind you, at that time. The number hadn't jumped. SBI was the third with 686 crore. And Exim Bank, Export and Import Bank, had also lent 413 crore. Now, the 2013 documents also show that this company had set up two subsidiaries, same names, ABJ Shipyard Singapore PTE in Singapore and Varaja Global PTE VGPL. These two companies, one is a subsidiary of ABJ Shipyard. Varaja Global is entirely held by Rishi Agarwal, the promoter. It's not that he's taken a little of his private income and set it up, these two companies in turn spawned a layer of subsidiaries. Now, here's a chart that you need to look at because all this 
remember, was known to bankers way back in 2014 when the CDR was done. Look at the number of companies under the ABG business name, ABG shipyard name, and everything else is Varada Global, which is owned by Rishi Agarwal. Were bankers sleeping? They had this table in 2013-14. So what did they do? They asked him to liquidate the 187.8 crores which he had diverted to set up ABG Shipyard PTE. This was supposed to be in three, done in three months. He claimed at that time that it would be done. The money is fully recoverable. But, you know, debt doesn't balloon to 22,000 crore if any of this was done. There was another settlement commission case where the company had admitted to overstating purchases to the tune of 100 crores. This was a proceeding before the Income Tax Settlement Commission. Shouldn't this have worried bankers? They just blandly stated in these documents, which are 10 years old. Now, this attitude is not limited to ABG Shipyard, but like I said, all NPAs. And this was especially true when we had a global financial crisis. So every country was bailing out their companies. India not only bailed out, but went berserk in how much we were going to keep giving them. So there is an academic study, which I'm showing you a link here, along with Columbia and one of the RBI institutions, which has noted that lax regulatory policy between 2008 and 2015 allowed bank lo bad loans to be hidden. It led to the emergence of what is called zombie firms, thousands of zombie firms, which got money, which was meant and used for evergreening. And it was all done to avoid proper classification of bad loans and to avoid provisioning. Over the next few years, there's been provisioning. Loans have been dumped on asset reconstruction companies and private banks, which are more for flexibility, have pretended to be better off than public sector banks. But remember here, ICICI Bank was a big one. The consequence of hiding this rot, even if we account for the fact that this number of 22,800, nearly 27,000 crore includes exaggerated interest claims, it is that most of it is irrecoverable and key creditors, including the government, employees who are holding protests and dharnas and operational creditors who have no security have not been paid. The forensic audit, like I said, is just too late. Meanwhile, CBI, ED are filing separate complaints. In fact, they are even challenging the resolution process. For instance, in one case where the Wellspun Group paid 790 crores to acquire assets as part of the resolution process, in February 2023, the whole payment and the sale has been challenged by ED. This just confounds and compounds the problem. CBI has filed a separate case in PFS shipping. It says there's a wrongful loss of 163.8 crore. ED claims that it has attached 2,748 crore. Will that money go into to the government? Will it pay creditors? Will it remain in limbo? Nobody knows. In effect, this game changer bankruptcy legislation has not addressed any of the issues that it was supposed to address. So unless there's an urgent amendment to fix things, we may continue to see newer raids, newer complaints, 
rash of litigation, conflicting claims from defaulters, buyers, enforcement agencies who represent the government. This will carry on for the next decade or more. There'll be negligible recoveries. We, the taxpayers, have paid for all of this because the government pumps in our money to recapitalize banks. And all we'll have is endless litigation, enriching lawyers, and clogging up the courts. Everybody expected the bankruptcy law amendment to take care of this. It's not been done. A root cause analysis of this gigantic bad loan issue would take us to straight to a single source of all this, which is the corrupt nexus between banks, borrowers, mainly public sector banks, well possible that they have been arm twisted by politicians. Remember, the prime minister calls it phone banking, which used to go on rampantly. Point is, whatever happened before, we expected the last decade to take care of it. This requires changes, but they have not happened. And the money has been written off. It's our money. We require this change even now, going forward, because new bad loans will keep happening and will keep getting written off. To agree with this, please share it and demand that we have changes. Thank you.